0: Howdy, folks. Welcome to Redneck Gone Green. I'm David Cobb. I am the Redneck, and you bet I've gone green. And through the course of this conversation, I hope you will too. Uh, I want to remind you that we are coming at you right now live on both YouTube and now Rumble, uh, that we'll be having more platforms join us. If you are watching live, welcome. You can join the conversation by making a comment into YouTube, and we ask you to do that. We'll also ask you if you're on Substack to make sure, whether it's email or podcast, wherever you get it, please like, comment and subscribe because we know how the algorithm works. I know you do too, but this is the point. Conversation like this is unsanctioned by the corporate leaders and uh, predatory class, but we're gonna break that algorithm. We're gonna come to you and have honest conversation. I do want to remind you that at Redneck Gone Green, the whole purpose of this show is to go beyond that, ain't it awful? I think that everybody who's watching this already understands white supremacy, predatory capitalism, settler colonialism, heteropatriarchy are all awful. And as if that's not bad enough, these a-holes who run the world are literally destroying the planet that we depend upon for life itself. But the other point is, This show exists because there is something to be done. Uh, And yes, that is a hat nod uh, to Vladimir Lenin and his famous essay, What is to be done? And it's in that spirit that I wanna bring a fantastic journalist into this conversation. Our next guest and who will be joining us now is Margaret Kimberly. Margaret is the executive editor and senior columnist of Black Agenda Report. She's also the current host of the Black Agenda Radio. Her new book, *Presidential Black America and the Presidents*, was published by Steerforth Press. Dr. Cornell West said, and I quote: "Margaret Kimberly gives us an intellectual gem of prophetic fire about all the U.S. presidents and their deep roots in the vicious legacy of white supremacy and predatory capitalism. Such truths seem more than most Americans can bear, though we ignore her words at our own peril." End quote. I also wanna acknowledge that Margaret Kimberley is a comrade and a personal friend, and I am so very grateful for you to join us. Welcome to the conversation, Margaret Kimberley. Margaret, you are muted, I'm afraid. I'll start over.
1: Hi there! It's a pleasure to be on on uh, this brand new show. I, I can look back and say I was one of the first guests on Redneck Concrete.
0: <laughs> you may certainly say that, and uh, I gotta say, Margaret, that uh, you know you and I have the great privilege of having worked together for decades now, right? So uh, I do want to take a moment for our viewers and listeners uh, to understand just what Black Agenda Report is. Because I really do like, and this is, you know, our dear uh, departed Glenn, uh, but also Bruce. So I want to turn it over to you to talk about what Black Agenda Report is and why folks should be cross pollinating on Redneck Gone Green and the Black Agenda Report.
1: Well, we founded uh, uh, Black Agenda Report in 2006. Uh, uh, as you said, the late—they both passed away now. It's uh, its very sad. Um, uh, Bruce Dixon and Glenn Ford and myself. Um, uh, Glenn—they uh, uh, both left us in the last few years, three years ago, and uh, I'm sorry, four years ago, and two years ago. <laughs> And um, uh, in 2006, we had left another publication called Black Commentator for a variety of reasons. But um, our tagline says it all. Uh, we say news and, and analysis from a Black left perspective. And it's very black and very left. And, you know, the word left is misused so much in this country. All kinds of, you know, scoundrelly people get to call themselves left capitalists and bought off members, and all sorts of people get to call themselves left. But uh, there's no mistaking at Black Agenda Report that we are uh, anti-imperialist that we are anti-capitalist, that we are socialists. Glenn and Bruce were longtime Marxists and uh, both of them were Black Panther uh, Party members. Uh, Bruce was also a longtime member of the Green Party. He was the first... A person I had personal contact with that was a Green. So I I think we can thank Bruce for having brought us together in that that way. But we have been going strong since I can't believe it's uh, 17 years now. We started in October of 2006 um, and being taking seriously journalists, journalism, uh, you know, the old uh, saw about comforting the afflicted and afflicting the comfortable, uh, that is our role to be the truth tellers, to analyze the news and from a left perspective and always have uh, the needs of black people um, all over the world, the entire African diaspora, foremost um, uh, in our thoughts. And, uh, you know, as such, we have uh, always been uh, uh, very sharp in our critique of US politics, of, uh, of the duopoly system and the phony, and it's just a phony democracy. I, I find it interesting, although I guess it's not shocking that uh, as the uh, system devolves, the word democracy is used more and more. People talk about democracy all the time where we have elections and we have all these political bodies but we don't have rule of the people. The people get the opposite of what they want. Uh, and, um, you know, we, uh, the anniversary of Glenn's passing was recently. And so we've been reprinting some of his, uh, his work, some of his um, uh, broadcasts. And he made the point that Democrats and Republicans are not political parties. They, um, everything's uh, uh, upside down. They don't serve the interest of their members. That's what a true political party is supposed to do, right? Um, And we don't have that. So we are still talking about Bruce Dixon. Uh, He coined a couple of phrases. He was one of the first people to call, uh, maybe the first person to call Bernie Sanders a sheepdog. And to point out that his role was to uh, sheepdog, to herd uh, left leaning Democrats back into the Democratic Party. He also gave us the turn of Black misleadership class, the uh, petty bourgeoisie of uh, um, uh, the Congressional Black Caucus and other organizations who are a well paid buffer class, but who serve the interests, not of Black people, but of those people we should be opposing. Uh, We publish every week. uh, Tomorrow, in fact, Wednesdays, blackagendareport.com. We have uh, uh, articles, book reviews, uh, commentary. We have um, uh, our Black Agenda Radio uh, podcast interviews on Fridays and uh we're we're of course we're on Twitter we're on Facebook so people can find us uh anywhere we have a I a, have great team editorial team we work very closely together to make sure that we continue uh, this legacy this At this very, I mean, every moment seems critical, but I guess every year seems a little more critical. And uh, it's all exposed. We're about to go through uh, a presidential election year, which we're talking about, but that uh, is an opportunity for the scoundrels to do their work and to attack Cornel West, attack anybody. And as I was saying, they don't represent the people, so they're wagging their finger and blaming voters already. Uh, It's like, well, Joe Biden will lose if Cornel West runs. Uh, So uh, we see um, all of these things coming to a head, the hottest month in recorded history that we've just been through um, and uh, two political parties who, well, Republicans don't pretend, but Democrats pretend that they're going to uh, save us from the uh, same fossil fuel companies that give them so much, so much help. Uh, war in Ukraine, uh, imperialism uh, uh, around the world, U.S. declining as a power, but uh becoming more dangerous even as it declines. And uh, those are the sorts of things that we report on.
0: And thank you, Margaret. So welcome, folks who are joining. I see that more and more folks are joining us live, which makes me happy. I want to say, give a special (laughs) howdy to Catherine, who I I will say is one of the very first financial sponsors of Redneck Gone Green, as well as a shout out and a thank you to Carolyn uh, for joining us to helping us make sure that we're able to bring this show to you, uh, also, want to welcome Steve and One Human, uh, who have already dropped some notes into the chat. And I want to underscore, Margaret, the, the 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 clarity with which you described the idea of democracy. Like, mm-hmm. I I want to remind viewers and listeners, the word democracy comes from the Attic Greek, and it just means, if you break it down, demos the people, kratia rule or power. So literally the word democracy means the people rule or the people have the power. So a pop quiz, does anybody really believe that ordinary people are ruling in this country? I mean of course not. Like it's 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 a farce. It is as you say Disneyland democracy, uh where we are given the choice of choosing between two corporately filtered candidates of the two corporately sponsored parties. Uh, And are there differences? Of course, there are differences between Democrats and Republicans. But let's be clear about what they agree on. They agree on U.S. empire and hegemony. They agree on a basic capitalist orientation where a small uh, elite will actually control the means of production. They have so much agreement about the broad structure of how society is going to operate. And then they give us Distinctions that matter, to be sure, but at the end of the day, power is never ceded to the people, and that's why I want to have a conversation about Cornell West, Margaret, because, like, I happen to know something that uh, others may not know, and that is, you literally broke the story that Cornell West had shifted from the the People's Party to the Green Party. Uh, you were like literally the very first journalist to be able to report on that. So I'm going to back up a moment and ask you to, because you are part of the Green Eco-Socialist Network that has just endorsed Cornell West uh, for president. You're also a journalist, but a people's journalist. So I'm going to ask you to tell us a little bit about why you are excited on a personal level and as a revolutionary. Why are you, Margaret Kimberly, excited about Cornell West? Well, I'm. Uh,
1: <laughs> I try to, you know, it's the the reasons we're told to be excited about presidential elections don't matter to any, you know, any one of our our ilk, but to have a, uh, a thought leader, a clergyman, a writer. Um, an an activist like Cornel West to run for the Green Party nomination is, uh, I think it's a shot shot in the arm to the left in general. I think it's a shot in the arm to uh, the Green Party uh, to have a a Black candidate also who is a recognized leader, a respected person for uh, so many decades. Um, I think I think also it's important to build, uh, to build the left, to build the Green Party in this case, and to make the case to stop supporting the duopoly. Uh, all of these scare, tactors, scare tactics um, have to be um, ignored. What do we get when you get a Democrat? So what are we being told? Biden has to win. Remember, we were told Biden was harm reduction. Remember that. Biden is harm reduction, not to the railroad workers, he broke their strike. And then has the nerve to say, I'm the union president. Um, Remember, uh, Trump was gonna get us all killed, he would start World War III. Well, now they're in this uh, 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 proxy war in Ukraine, refusing to talk. Um, uh, Biden literally cannot get the president of China to take his phone calls, can't get Xi Jinping on the phone and uh, to be told this is the best we can do, this is the best we can have, and that this has to continue, and that you have no other option except to keep doing, uh, uh, to keep following this, these failures of the people. And it's something, you know, that's not discussed enough in this country. How many people are struggling, are suffering, even working people, they're working people who are unhoused, working people who live in the shelter system, who uh, qualify for food stamps and Medicaid. Although they're being kicked off now, nobody wants to talk about that now that the COVID emergency has been declared over, millions, I'm not exaggerating, millions of people have lost benefits that they are entitled to. And that is something that the Democrats and Republicans do not talk about. Joe Biden has, to my knowledge, never given a speech about homelessness, never.
0: And let's be clear about something, friends. There are more empty houses in the U.S. than there are houseless people. And that is true in every state in the union and in every community. And the ratio of how many empty houses is obscene. The point is the crisis of houselessness is not a crisis of not having enough houses. No. It is a crisis of capitalism. Is it a crisis of treating houses like a commodity to be bought and paid for to profit? The same is true about health care. The same is true about education. Let's be clear about something. The system is not broken. The system is operating exactly as it's designed to operate which is to treat human needs as commodities to be bought and paid for at a profit. There is no solution within the capitalist framework for ensuring that all human needs are met. That's why you'll hear Margaret Kimberley and I unabashedly talking about the need to be post-capitalist, anti-capitalist. We need a completely new economic system. Now, to be clear, When I go into a pool hall or a bowling alley, and like any good redneck, I do go into pool halls and bowling alleys. I don't typically use the same kind of language that you hear me use on this live stream. Because I know as a communicator, I've got to talk to the people in the language that they understand, but make no mistake about it. I can have this same conversation using ordinary language. And it goes something like this. Don't you think the boss man's got his boot on our neck Don't you think that you've got more in common uh, with other working class black folks than you do uh, with Donald Trump? See, I can have these kind of conversations. Uh, So I just want to say one of the things that I appreciate about Margaret Kimberly and the Black Agenda Report is the clarity that they have around what being a leftist means without falling into jargon. I'm also going to take an opportunity to say welcome to David Schwartzman, uh, a, a oh, dear friend and comrade <laughs> who's just joining us, expressing Margaret. David Schwartzman expresses delight that the Green Eco Socialist Network has endorsed Cornell West. And David Wilcox has joined in to say, looking forward to petitioning for Cornell next spring. So already the excitement about this campaign is undergoing. I also want to say a word or two, right? because if for folks who may not know, Cornel West is truly a genuine visionary who has spent Mm -hmm. his entire life speaking courageously and plainly about white supremacy, settler colonialism, capitalism, Mm -hmm. and heteropatriarchy. His commitment to justice has been unwavering. He has firmly, clearly talked about the inherent dignity of every individual, He has a distinguished career as an educator, a philosopher, a social change agent, a public intellectual. He has fearlessly fearlessly spoken out against the social and economic injustices that Margaret has pointed out that Joe Biden and any neoliberal Democrat has never talked about, because that's the one thing. I'll give Bernie Sanders credit for this. He was willing to talk about uh, those issues. Now, I think he was making a mistake. Uh, by staying within the Democratic Party. But to be sure, there is something happening. The Democratic Party is losing its hold over ordinary people. And I say, bring it on. Push those (laughs) contradictions. We have to expose the Democratic Party leadership for what it is and be clear, rank and file members of the Democratic Party are infinitely more progressive and left than the leadership of the Democratic Party, so I'm going to now shift gears for a moment, Margaret, because Cornell West and I encourage and thank you, Steve Welzer, for this. Steve Welzer says in the comments, running Cornell West, the Greens could get five percent of the vote, which would be a huge breakthrough. Completely agree with you, Steve. I'm very excited about this. I got to tell you, uh, I think that Cornell West has the opportunity to be the the next Nader 2000 campaign. Right? It could literally in, animate and inspire a whole new group of folks. Margaret, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to share. Here is the list of things that it took so called alternative political parties, what some people call third parties, but I'm going to say alternative political parties. This is what it took alternative political parties to champion at the ballot box. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. The abolition of slavery women getting the ability to cast a vote the creation of the social security administration unemployment insurance workers compensation laws pure food and drug laws ending child labor the ability for voters to actually elect their representatives to the united states senate Mm -hmm. for goodness sakes y'all the entire fabric of what we today would consider the bare damn minimum, I mean, the floor for what could be considered a a decent society, that fabric was literally woven together, strand by strand, by third-party activists who did their work when they were called naive and unrealistic, who did their work when they were called dangerous un-Americans, and who did their work when they were called spoilers. So I posit that today, if we want to live in not just talk about, but actually live in a world that will end war as foreign policy. If we want to talk about a world where we will guarantee access to housing and education and healthcare as fundamental human rights, if we want to live in a world that will dismantle the World Trade Organization, the International Monetary Fund, uh, the the, the entire neoliberal hegemonic apparatus that has created this corporate global empire. See, if we want to live in that world, we're going to have to have the courage to engage in authentic electoral politics. So I'm going to stop and ask, Margaret, how's this landing for you? Like, any comments reflecting?
1: Well, you know, I I agree with, uh, uh, of course, with everything that you just said. And as far as being spoilers, uh, this system needs to be spoiled. I, you know, I'm going to own it uh you know this idea that these these scoundrels are are going to be our saviors is you know the always harm reduction it's like no no they're not and they actually and we see that we see millions of people uh voting especially in uh presidential elections but we see millions of people not bothering at all because they know their interests aren't being represented their interests aren't being discussed um and uh, so we see this apathy. And, I, you know, I came from a family where I was always told it was important to vote. You have to vote. You have to vote, especially for black people. People struggled so hard to vote. And all of that is true. But I don't think those people struggled to end up with this... Um, Uh, I I don't know, what do we have now, a kleptocracy? I don't know what kind ofocracy it is. It's not a democracy, that's for sure. So people struggled to have justice. People struggled to have a system that uh, would meet their needs at least some of the time. So that just falls flat for me, that you have an obligation to keep uh, um, uh, the Democrats in office when they do the opposite of what their people want them to do. And, uh, I, you know, it's so interesting to me when I think of all the things that people can imagine. There are people who believe in aliens I happen not to or, you know, any number of, uh, of things that could be called fanciful. Maybe visionary, I suppose, will be positive and say that. But the idea of imagining a different political system the idea of imagining a different economic system is something we're not supposed to do. We're actually yeah. told not to think about anything else. This is it. This is all. This is all you've got. And excuse me, uh, uh, this striving to be better and different is something that is actively discouraged. And it discourages people, all right. And unfortunately, in local elections, uh, uh, local and state elections, uh, the turnout is always very low, which actually is where people need to pay more attention than they do, quite frankly. But um, uh, it's why we need a Green Party. It's why we need a strong candidate. Uh, like Cornel West, uh, so that people can hear someone say, someone they respect, someone whom they know, say that the U.S. needs to cut its military budget at least in half. I mean, I'm sure it could be um, uh, more than that. Um, I know he was uh, interviewed by Anderson Cooper, who just seemed to be, you know, annoyed that he dared to run and tried to tell him he should say, you know, Vladimir Putin is, you know, um, you know, the worst person ever. But uh, you never see anti-war people on corporate media ever. I mean, like, never, never. Right. They don't even, you know, like somebody who's a little too leftish. They, they are, they're xed out. Um, this is an opportunity for the voices of millions of people to be heard, to be represented. And because, because we of, get
0: the opposite of that. I'm going to circle back because I loved how you were talking. Look, to be clear, like black folks and people of color <laughs> fought, struggled, died for the ability to vote. Right. Like and there's a reason that the ruling elite fight so hard. And I, I correct myself. I have to remind myself not to call them the elite. They're not better than us. They're <laughs> a predatory class. Uh, the small oligarchic kleptocracy the predatory class have always used the ability uh, or the, the 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 vote uh and and the, and done their best to prevent elections from being meaningful right mm-hmm. so so I, I i i and you and i margaret believe in voting we believe yes. in using it but we're also not electro fetishist We have no illusion that voting alone is going to bring us into the world that we want. And I also want to say this. If you, like me and Margaret, believe that we want to transform society and that we need, and in fact, not only need to, but we have to because of the global climate catastrophe, because of rising fascism, like if you hold with conviction that we need to change this system, I tell people all the time, If you want to change this system and all you ever do is vote, then you're really wasting your time. Like voting alone is not going to get us where we need to be. But there's a corollary to that, my friends. If you want to change this system and you have the opportunity to vote for candidates who are calling for transformational change, you're wasting an opportunity. So it's not either or, it's both and. We need to engage. We need to be in the streets. We need to be on on podcasts and 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 create our own media. We need to be building cooperatives and we need to be building these things. And we have to engage in electoral politics. None of them alone is it, But I also want to circle back, Margaret, your point about uh, voting. It kind of occurs to me, you know, the Democratic Party, they they basically try to take people. They take people of color and their votes for granted. Mm -hmm. they take uh women's votes for granted they take organized labor's votes for granted they take environmentalist votes for granted and in electoral politics if you've been taken for granted friends you just got taken and that's the thing it's an okey-doke don't fall for the okey-doke the democratic party leadership are not your friends and i like david wilcox David Wilcox just dropped in the comments in my father's words: "Democracy is a constant debate, occasionally resulting in a decision that is the vote." I mean, think David Wilcox. Your your father's got an astute observation on that point. So, Margaret, my question is: like, how, how do you address people who say, "Oh, uh, like, I don't bother to vote at all"? What what do you say to them?
1: Well, you know, I used to. <clears throat> it used to be shocked and say oh you have to vote you have to now i say i get it i understand i know why uh uh you don't vote that it's uh um, uh can seem like an exercise in futility i do encourage people to vote in local elections i i really do believe uh that's uh where we actually um uh, uh get the legislation done that impacts our our lives. So I try to tell people, okay, you know, but did you vote in a city council race? Did you vote for your state legislators? Um they impact your life. And nobody ever argues with that, I notice, um, because I think it's because people really know that it's true. And um uh but I I also I urge people to educate themselves. I urge people to be involved in whatever way they can be involved. And sometimes I just agree with them. I say, you know, I get it. I I see why you would say that. No shaming. No, it's your fault that Trump won. No, none of that.
0: I I would never say anything uh, like that. You know, Bergen, I thank you for that point too, because I also want to lift up one of the things that I know about you as an individual you as a journalist and the black agenda report has been from its inception, 17 years going uh, and still going strong. And that is a commitment to principled struggle and to truth telling like that. There is uh, like, like you and uh, both again, Glenn and, and Bruce, but your entire editorial team, I have seen have like real disagreement with, with, with folks, but engage it in a principled way. Uh, and I think that that's something that is missing in the left today, especially in this country, that we seem to have forgotten that it's actually okay to engage in principled debate. In fact, we should do that. We should sharpen our intellect and, and our like steel Start sharpens steel. And this like seeming un- inability to have honest uh, disagreement I think is actually part of the problem.
1: It is. You know what I, I, I find? I I think I was discussing some, I can't remember what issue with someone, and I, I was saying that I think most Americans are brainwashed. Uh, depending on where you stand, you're brainwashed about different things. And liberals are brainwashed to believe that they must defend the Democratic Party. There are certain things they cannot uh differ with anyone on. And uh, that's that the indoctrination for that group of people. Instead of understanding, as you point out, the importance, not just that it's okay uh, to uh, engage in uh, struggle and debate and dialogue, it's vital. It's something really necessary. Because how do you know, how can you stand by what you say if you never test it out? I mean, just on a practical level. Uh, does Does uh, what I say stand up to argument or not? I don't find out if it's, you know, the same thing uh, that uh, uh, is just in my head. And I I never engage with anyone else or uh, uh, contemplate that uh, maybe there's something I'm missing or just to say I didn't know that or, you know, to change my mind about something. It is really very uh, it's absolutely necessary uh, that we do it. And. um, but i see this constant indoctrination i was um over the weekend i was a, a captive audience if you will at a friend's house who was watching msnbc and it was nothing but trump indictment i mean nothing nothing else like nothing else was happening in the world and i just it was just a, a propaganda session that if you can't think about anything else because this orange man is going to come back, i that's the way I saw it. There was nothing new. They all, every program, it's like three or four programs repeated the same. They had different people talking about how horrible Donald Trump is, which how hard is it to say that Donald Trump is horrible? But it's as if nothing else was happening in the world. There was nothing else to discuss. But if you want to keep people indoctrinated, Then you have to keep repeating that because then you might have people who say, Did the minimum wage go up? Did it go up? Do we still have people who are uninsured? Do we have people who are insured and end up with medical debt anyway? I mean, medical debt is such a horrifying term, isn't it? Student loan debt. People my age are getting their Social Security garnished to uh, pay back their uh, student loans. So, so all of these are, are, are things that we have to discuss and raise with people. And I find if you uh, do it in a way that's compassionate, uh, and respectful, you can get people to start thinking about things they never thought about before. Because uh, there's so little to encourage exploration, so little uh, to encourage um, that thought, the media who are, you know, New York Times is, uh, what is it, the, all the news fit to print? What, that's not the paper of record, New York Times, Washington Post, they it's on I know on foreign policy, it's just like it reads like a a State Department press release. Um, And these are supposed to be the people you have to listen to. So uh, I but I think it helps when you point this out to people when you say to them, you know, don't you think it's interesting that they have never asked the question about X? Don't you think it's interesting that they never talk about I don't know mass incarceration. The U.S. has more people in jail than any other country. While they're wagging their finger and calling someone else a violator of human rights, um, I, I think most people are able to have those conversations and to contemplate. And even those of us who are um, allied with one another, we may differ on strategies or tactics, but that's okay. It's more than okay. It's it's the the bad part is if we don't speak up and uh, discuss. Uh, where we really fall.
0: You know, thank you so much for saying that because uh, this space, Redneck Gone Green, once a week is going to be a spot where we actually have respectful discourse, including with folks with whom we disagree on tactics. Now, I'm not going to br- ever bring a fascist on this program, <laughs> uh, right? Uh, now, having said that, I think it's important, and David when I'm going to get to your comment, I promise you. I want to remind... Myself, viewers, listeners, Margaret's point, and that is the corporate media is designed to ensure not just to, that it tells us what to think, but especially what to think about. Right? There's a reason that on the political shows, it uh, uh, like it's either if you tune into the uh, the liberal version, it's all about. Trump indictment twenty four seven. If you turn into the right version uh, of it, it's uh, Hunter Biden and <laughs> uh, you know twenty four seven. But you never hear conversation uh, about you know like what is the current buying power of an ordinary worker. You just don't hear that ever, right? Okay, mm-hmm. so I think that this is important. I I also want to shift gears to David Schwartzman. Uh, And thank you, David. Uh, We're going to have a call-in option coming up soon. uh, But right now, we can at least take your comments uh, for those of you uh, watching live on YouTube. Uh, And I do want to actually say that uh, David Schwartzman has said this, and I want you to react to this. Schwartzman says, we should not argue that there is no real difference who wins in 2024. It is imperative that the white supremacist, climate denialist Republican Party be defeated in 2024. Therefore, Cornell West should share in our campaign the consequences of how people vote depending on their state with respect to its votes in the Electoral College. Uh, This will, says Schwarzman, uh, uh, ah, where am I? This will maximize the chances of defeating Trump and Republicans in 2024 and strengthen our eco-socialist Green Party program for struggles ahead, not imperialist agenda. Margaret, I'm going to invite you to reflect and react to David Schwartz comments and there
1: uh... Well, I, I'm not sure what he meant about, uh, I think it's important for people to know about the electoral college because I was a grown person in the 2000 election. And then I, I realized, wait a minute, I live in a blue state. I can vote for whoever I want. Although I argue against, I, in, in favor of voting, whoever you want anyway. So I'm not sure what his point is aside from that civics lesson we all should have about, uh, um, uh, the impact that uh, our votes have, depending upon where we uh, where we live, um, you know, that gets into a whole other discussion about uh, where Greens should run, and you know, if a state flips, it was you know the Green Party's fault in 2016. So I'm not sure uh, what his point is, aside from uh, just having that very important information.
0: Got it. So, David, if you uh, are so inspired, uh, 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 please do continue in, in the chat to to make your point. I also want to uh, say this: like, I like, I would never say that there's not a difference between Democrats and Republicans. Of course, there's a difference. Like, like, having said that, is there a substantive difference? Like, uh, to me the the question of us empire we have to be very clear there is no difference on that topic mm-hmm. is there a difference on a woman's right to choose absolutely that difference is an important one and i would never uh, i would never try to argue that it's not a, a difference or that it's an important difference having said that it's part of the reason why i yes i engage in elections but I also build worker-owned cooperatives. I help uh, incubate community land trusts. I work on universal basic income, you know, because I, I uh, am a, a student of Amakal Cabral, the great African revolutionary and uh, a purist and practitioner. Uh, and I love that he said many things worth quoting. Here's one of the things that he said. This is a quote always remember that the people are not fighting for ideas. They're not fighting for things in their mind. The people fight and accept the sacrifices that the movement requires in order to gain material advantage, to live better and in peace, to benefit from progress and to have a better future for their children. And to me, Margaret, That is a constant reminder that we have to both be clear about, yes, we have to have a vision, but does our vision in very practical terms make people's lives better? And if so, how are we doing that? That's the reason why on this program, we're going to continually bring in people to say, well, what is to be done? Now, Mm -hmm. in elections, I do think elections are a place. We're going to talk about elections. Next week, we're going to bring in Mike Strode of the Nut Collaborative to talk about time banking. And to me, I think it's equally important that we talk about concrete local campaigns, concrete campaigns that people can do outside of the electoral process.
1: Oh yes, absolutely. I I did want before I, I aside from amplifying what you just said, I do want to go back to what you said about the differences between Democrats and Republicans. The problem now is that um, uh, the Democrats for years said we're going to protect a woman's right to choose, and then they didn't. So they say this, um, but then they let Ruth Bader Ginsburg stay on the Supreme Court. They always cut deals um, in, in the Senate to get Republicans' uh, picks on uh, the, uh, the federal. And that's the one thing we were told. If you don't like anything else about the Democrats, you've got to vote for them to support the Supreme Court. And you can support Roe v. Wade. What did Obama do in 2009? After campaigning, after saying he would pass legislation to codify Roe a few months into office, he says, that's not my highest priority. It wasn't his priority at all so the uh women lost the right to choose because of the democrats corruption so even where we see these differences we it's it's a vote getting scheme it's a fundraising scheme it wasn't anything uh about really and then there were people i nancy pelosi a couple of years ago said well we're talking about abortion maybe too much i'm paraphrasing it's not such a big issue anymore um I don't uh, think they thought that Roe would be overturned, but um, but that's another problem with it. Even the things that are that where they we see these different differences, we don't see them um, really stepping up and uh, protecting the things and fighting for the things that they claim they will. As far as... Um, uh, it's good. You're going to have Mike Strode on, but I, I think that's very important. Also. I think people, uh, be, can become apathetic, uh, can become disconnected when they don't see, uh, any change, when they don't see an effort to do something different. I think that's vital for people to say, ah, I could do, I could work for a cooperative or if I'm short of money, if I was in a co-op, maybe I could still provide my needs, any, any number of things. So, um, I think that's an example of, uh, something that we need to build on and need more of because, uh, there's nothing like, uh, Um, seeing um, mobilization to see people uh, fighting for rent control, having a rent strike. I mean, any number of things that concretely can impact people's lives and make their lives better. So absolutely.
0: Folks, a reminder, you're watching and or listening to Redneck Gone Green. I'm your host, David Cobb. I am the Redneck. Uh, I am talking to my dear friend and comrade Margaret Kimberly of the Black Agenda Report. Uh, Margaret, I'm inspired to let you know that you've inspired Jack Rabbit, our technical producer, to come on screen. Uh, so I'm going to bring Jack Rabbit into the conversation. W- by way of introduction, I want to let you know, I met Jack Rabbit during Occupy Wall Street. Uh, Jack was one of the consistent voices and uh, workers who were was making that uh, motion happen. He also got inspired, I know, by Bernie Sanders and Uh, Put a lot of sweat equity into that campaign, so I want to bring you into this conversation, Jack, uh, to see what you're thinking about what you're hearing so far.
2: Well, uh, I just want to say thanks so much, Margaret, for being here with us uh, today. It's great to have you, Um, you. and and uh, thanks for letting me come on. You know, one of the things that uh, I was thinking about when y'all were talking is, you know, um, well, actually, in responding to the comment from David, you know, it's like. Uh, unintended consequences is one of the things that comes to my mind because I know that there is this kind of sense that, Oh, well as bad as the Democrats are, they're better than the Republicans in a certain sense. um, In a certain sense, but you know uh, you know what comes up in my mind is this idea of unintended consequences. You see where people are just so sure that like, you know, the, the environment would just be a complete disaster with a Republican in charge. And yet we also know But it's pretty it's it's a pretty safe bet that Biden has been responsible for the greatest release of uh, greenhouse gases ever in human history in with the bombing of the Nord Stream pipeline. Right. Okay, we don't talk about that. Nobody's ever talking about that. Right. So so here you have in that situation, this kind of like what I you know, what's why I'm saying unintended consequences. You think, oh, okay, well, at least. You know he's not so bad about like you know working. He doesn't. He didn't put the uh, for example the head of Exxon to be the secretary of state for example. So you think oh he's not so bad, but you know no he's really terrible actually. He's done really amazingly bad for the for the planet in a way that you wouldn't have expected or 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 anticipated. You know, and simultaneously, as David said before, you know, the Democratic Party is where revolutionaries go to die. Right. (laughs) So it's like I love that y'all were talking about alternative, you know, like outs working outside of the two party system and how important that is. I think that what I what I want to put to you, Margaret, is kind of like, what does it look like? within Within that context, why do we why do we care that that Dr. West is joining a race how does that how does that work in this world of like that has accepted the duopoly as the default
1: well if you know with a, a strong candidate like west uh people will stop accepting the duopoly as a default which is a, a very good thing um uh people will see that there are new possibilities um and um start thinking through this instead of just accepting uh, you got to vote for the Democrats there's nothing else you can do for people to say well wait a second I see how this really works Um, and even to be um, uh, you know and we've been saying that you don't have to uh, um, it's not necessary to uh, not be involved in electoral politics at all, but when you are to be involved in a way where you make demands. Well, I'm not going to vote for you unless you do X. This is my issue. I need you to take care of that. Um, all of those things are um, are very important. But I think a person like West, who has so much legitimacy, um, who has uh, for um, many years, I think helps uh, to move people along in that direction, uh, that the uh, voting for uh, outside of the duopoly is not going to be some outlandish thing, that it's someone who is trusted, who is respected. I think he can really, um, he can really move the needle there. But I, I wanted to uh, touch on something you mentioned about the environment. Biden has more drilling on federal lands than Trump did. So you get a Republican president, they'll come in and they'll say, I'm getting out of the climate agreement. And the Democrat will get in the climate agreement, although the climate agreements aren't worth much. That's a whole other story. We could do a whole segment on that. Uh, no for example, it doesn't include uh, uh, pollution caused by the military. And the U.S. military is one of the biggest polluters in the world. So unless the president is going to cut the military budget, um, any talk of um, uh, being uh, an environmentalist is um, is false. So um, I I think we can look at the things that um, have actually happened, and I think while it's true that there are differences, they become smaller and smaller uh, uh, because of this. I'm just going to call it corruption on the part of that wing of the duopoly who rule with fear. You know, that's, uh, I'm I'm just uh, thinking about that. They rule with fear. They make people afraid. Uh, they don't even go through the motions of uh, saying, you know, like old school politics. It was, well, you want this or no, I can't do A. Maybe I can do B. Maybe there's some kind of compromise. You know, maybe something, but now it's just fear. You have to vote for us. If you don't vote for us, um, the, the earth will keep getting hotter. Well, guess what? It still is. Obama bragged about how much uh, he increased uh, fossil fuel uh, production. And there are states where women can't get abortions at all. So um, yes, there are differences, but unless this duopoly is broken, and I believe it has to be broken, and this rule by fear, that's what's going to save us. We have to save uh, save ourselves. And I think we save ourselves by looking outside of the duopoly. I think it's an, an absolute necessity for humanity
0: and i thank you so much for that because like i completely agree like the 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 history of systemic social change in this country it's actually easy to describe the recipe it's really hard to do but it's easy right. to describe and that is you have to have a broad base mass movement of people who are politically educated and have clarity that about what they're doing. So you need a mass movement, that mass movement has to be conscious mm-hmm. and collectivized and moving on the same idea. Then you have to have an electoral arm of that movement that is working at the ballot box, right? So mm-hmm. like that is a very easy thing to describe, but it's really hard to do all of these things, especially because you have a corporatized media system, because you have a corporatized education system, because the duopoly and the, the, the predatory class have created this narrative that constantly are bombarding us. And I'll tell you, you know, Margaret, sometimes I think, you know, I, uh, it depends on what side of the bed I wake up on, right? Because some days I'm like, oh my God, we'll never win. Like, look at the billions <laughs> of dollars Uh, that is spent daily on inoculating and and indoctrinating and, uh, and so forth, we'll never win. But sometimes I wake up on the different side of the bed and I say, there's no way that ultimately we won't prevail because it takes them billions of dollars to prop up this corrupt system because it takes billions of dollars to try to keep us separated. And the more we talk to each other, the more power we feel we have.
1: Yeah, and I, I, I'm glad you mentioned the, um, uh, mass movements. You know, one, one of the things that I uh, makes me so angry, especially about uh, black, the black misleaders that uh, Bruce Dixon uh, labeled, that they fetishized the civil rights movement, the Liber- liberation movement of the '60s and early '70s. But the thing everybody forgets is that that was led by the people. It was the demands of the people that brought about change. People who could not vote got voting rights for the whole country. Um, And people made demands. They made demands they knew
0: the system did not want to meet. They made them anyway. And Margaret, let's not forget, to whom did Martin Luther King Jr. address the letter from a Birmingham jail? He addressed it to to white moderates and other black leaders who were telling him, slow down, you'll get us in trouble. Like, it was literally to white moderates and other black leaders who were telling him to calm his rhetoric.
2: Can I ask you, um, uh, this goes to both or either of you, you know, like... uh, When it seems like every time that there's a progressive um, uh, electoral, like somebody who's jumping into the ring at a national level in in the electoral system, that there is this idea that there needs to be a movement or there's a movement behind them. Right. I mean, I think that, you know, we saw with Obama, there was uh uh, what was it called? I'm sorry. I forget now. It was, there was a name for it, right? Like the grassroots movement for America or whatever, whatever. As soon as he became, as soon as he got elected, he dissolved it, right? And yeah. I think uh, it was the same with like Kucinich. Didn't he have some kind of like a organization backing him? A, Democracy a, for, for Obama, America. Right? It was
0: organizing for America. For Bernie Sanders, it was Our Revolution. For uh, Jerry Brown, it was We the People. For Howard Dean, it was <laughs> Democracy for America. For God's sakes, this, like this is so like predictable. The whole idea is always oh, I know what let's do. Let's work within the Democratic Party to build up a movement and shift the party to the left. And that has historically been the call. That's the sheepdogging, right? And it doesn't work. It is literally like progressive. The Democratic Party's presidential primary is where progressive politics goes to die because all that energy, all that excitement, all that enthusiasm, it's ultimately put back into the, the, the Democratic Party leadership neoliberals who are literally creating the conditions by which the Republican fascists are taking power. Like at the end of the day, that is a, like it is a box canyon. It's a trap. And like a box canyon, you can move. Oh my gosh, look, but you hit a wall and the wall is impregnable. There is no way to break out of that. That's how I've addressed it. And I want to say clearly and unequivocally, I understand that there are people who feel like they have to stay within the Democratic Party trap. I'm not going to fuss at them. I'm going to say, look, if that's where you are, that's where you are. I'm looking for ways that I can work with you. So if you want to work with me on universal basic income, worker-owned cooperatives, public banking, proportional representation, ranked choice voting, I've got a menu of things that I work on. Uh, That I think that people can work on outside of electoral politics. But when it comes to electoral politics, I have clarity that we need to build a people's party that is not beholden to corporate America. And even if you're going to be a Democrat, I've got this question. If you're going to run for office, will you make a pledge that you will not seek or accept corporate money? because that question will wash out 98% of every democratic party candidate.
1: Well, you're right, but but now we have people who say I don't take corporate money and then they vote the same way. So they may actually, you know, not accept corporate money, but it's uh, it's such a, a scam and a, and a sham that and, and this is the thing that's so insidious about it. It really makes me so angry. That means they know what the people want. If you're campaigning saying, I'm not going to take corporate money, they know people don't trust corporations. That's why they say it. And so they know what. that's what people want. That's They know that's the right thing. But the party is completely subsumed within the the bowels of corporate interests and the lead. Why does somebody like Nancy Pelosi, a, a multimillionaire, why was she the speaker of the house? Because she was a multi-millionaire. That's why. So, and then you get a new guy and, oh, there's a, you know, young black person. He's like, well, you know, they, listen, he had his job interview, so he's not going to represent anything differently than she did. But um, uh, I, I, you know i have in case you can't tell i um i see very clearly that um uh we have to get away with them get away from them even as we as you point out we want to engage people who may not be there yet um and i think you would also engage those people by doing something ourselves um uh and uh uh, not by uh, being uh, uh, overly uh, critical of, uh, of them.
2: Yeah, it seems to me like the key point is to be able to have something that's happening substantial, that's, that's tangible outside of the electoral process. Because, you know, one of the things that, you, you know, I think totally rightly pointed out, Margaret, and this is something that I don't, I, I just don't think people have internalized enough you know is that politicians at this and politicians have always said just what they think people want to hear. And unfortunately, right, today's modern politician, you know, says what the left wants to hear and and people think, oh wow, oh, they're saying this thing and it sounds very leftish, you know, that's really <laughs> hopeful. It's like, no, it's not. Look at Kamala Harris was like senator in california right the most liberal state in the country she and we know she says whatever she has to say so she'll say something like oh well i've signed on to medicare for all do you think she actually gives a goddamn about that oh I no mean, i guarantee I- you she does not but she knows that the people she thinks will vote for her those are the people that she's she's appealing to and so that's why i think like regardless if you're green democrat republican regardless right we need to be able to have people who have lost hope and lost faith, right? Because no matter who says what they say, whether it's Bernie or you know, even Dr. West, I mean, like, I listen, I'm, you don't know me. I love Dr. West. I think he's amazing and I'm grateful for what he's doing, but it, it shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter is what I'm trying to get at here is that we need to be able to get the, the, the hope. I think this is what I'm saying is that I think that the the hope that people have has to come from outside, and 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 what I what I'm excited about with Redneck on Green is I feel that you know you know David is is hoping to bring people on to talk about like real world tangible things that people who are who are looking for that hope can actually take home with them to be able to take the steps to make the world that we want to see happen.
0: Thank you so much, Jack. And uh, we're we're gonna have to uh, close out because we're coming to the top of the hour. I want to say a couple of things really quickly before we turn it over to Margaret for her last words. Number one, let's remember that Barack Obama inspired people with rhetoric, right? Like Mm -hmm. I think your point is very astute, Jack. And that is he like, remember whenever he first uh, ran in the primaries, the first go around, like nobody thought that a black politician had a chance in Iowa or New Hampshire, right? Like literally it was the messaging that he used around hope and change that inspired a whole bunch of people. The problem was he didn't mean it, right? That was the problem. Uh, but the the rhetoric of the left wins. And it, it, it is, look at every polling data and you'll see our, our, our policy proposals are hugely popular. They're majoritarian issues, right? Mm-hmm. So that's something that we're going to have to navigate as we think about electoral politics. The other point that I want to make is, and I think this is super important, and that is that at the end of the day, ordinary people are going to have to be the ones to do this. Yes, Cornell West and Dr. West is an inspiring, visionary person, and I'm not going to get invited on to Anderson Cooper. Cornell West will, right? Yep. So we need people like Dr. Cornell West to run for office in order to rally folks. But it's up to organizers like me, like Jack, like Margaret, and you. And by you, I mean whoever is looking at me on this live stream or YouTube, or whoever is listening to my voice on the podcast. Ordinary people, whoever occupies the seat in which you are sitting, it's your job to organize your community to build the peaceful, just, democratic society that we want to live and play in. I'm going to conclude by saying this, at Redneck Gone Green, we're getting larger, stronger, and better organized. I'm going to ask you to like, subscribe, share this so that we can bust this algorithm. Next week, we're going to be joined by Mike Strode of the Cola Nut Collaborative. He'll be coming on to talk about the work that he does with time banking. And I'm going to turn it over to you, Margaret, for the final words uh, for this week's show.
1: Well, thank you both. Thank you so much, David and Jack Rabbit. It's uh, uh, been a, a pleasure being with you both. And I just want to reiterate it's very, you may not understand wh- how it works, but you've got to hit that like button and uh, subscribe to this channel because that really does uh, help quite a lot. Uh, you know, progressive voices are uh, are can be censored on these platforms. So it's very important that you support uh, Redneck on Green and uh, other channels like it. Um, I what did Jesse Jackson always say? Keep hope alive. And I know what you mean about having the optimistic day and the pessimistic day. But I think uh, we do have to uh, um, have faith in ourselves, faith in the people, and know our history. And it's always been. Uh, the people who bring about change. And I think really understanding that, really believing that is very empowering. And then you can fight off the propaganda and the fear and the indoctrination. Uh, So uh, I am keeping hope alive. And thank you both so much.
0: Can't stop, won't stop. Peace, y'all.
2: Thank you, Margaret. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, everybody.